Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off on Monday with the wonderful story of the handsome, dashing young warrior David meeting the beautiful Abigail, wife of a surly, nasty old man, Nabal the Fool. Oh, it was a, it was love at first sight. And David married Abigail. Now we move into our next story. We previewed it at the end of last time. The Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah. And he said, Is not David hiding on the hill of Akilah, which faces Ishimon? So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search there for David. Either this is a duplicate story, or more likely to me, in the narrative itself, we see Saul having moments of lucidity and we see him sinking deeply into paranoia and doing totally irrational things. When David spared Saul at the caves of En Gedi, that should have been the end of it. But no, I think Saul has slipped over the edge once again. He rounded up the same 3,000 men who were wondering, am I working for the right guy here? Saul took those men and he went in search for David. Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hila facing Yeshimon. But David stayed in the desert. When he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. So David's on the watch. David controls that territory. David, David is a desert fighter. David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, Saul's commanding officer, had lain down. Saul was lying inside the camp with the army encamped around him. That is, they're all like spokes on a wheel with Saul as the axle. They're all asleep around him to protect him. David then asked Abimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother. Joab is David's commanding general. He said, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I want to go down and mess with him. I want to go down and screw around with his head. Abishai said, I'll go with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground right near his head. Remember, Saul always sat with his back to a wall, and Saul always had his forty-five within reach. But David and his men stealthily snuck into the camp, avoiding guards, walking between sleeping men. Abner and the soldiers were all around Saul. And Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't have to strike twice. Let me pin him to the ground like a, like a pin through a butterfly. 
David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David had spared Saul at the caves of Engedi, and those 3,000 men had seen it. So David's not going to sneak in and kill Saul in his sleep. He said, as surely as the Lord lives, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he'll die, or he'll go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now, here's what we'll do. Get the spear and water jug there near his head. And let's get out of here. So David took the spear and the water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew anything about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sound asleep. And then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between David and Saul and his army. And David called out to the army and to Abner, son of Ner. Abner! Aren't you going to answer me? It's the middle of the night. It's not yet dawn. Abner leapt awake. Who are you who calls the king? David said, You're a man, aren't you? And who is like you in Israel? Why didn't you guard your lord the king? Someone came to destroy your lord the king. What you have done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men deserve to die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where is the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Abner looks around. They're gone. Saul, of course, was now awake, and he recognized David's voice. Is that your voice, David, my son? He is, after all, David's father-in-law. And David replied, Yes, it is, my lord the king. And he added, Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What's with this cat and mouse game? I thought we'd finish this at En Gedi. What have I done? What, what wrong am I guilty of? Now, let, the lord, let my lord the king listen to his servant's words. If the lord has incited you against me, then may he accept my offering. If, however, if, however, men have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have now driven me from my share of the Lord's inheritance and have said, go serve other gods. Now, do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a, for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. What, what is with you, Saul? And Saul, once again, in a pitiful voice, said, Oh, I, I've sinned. Come back, David, my son. Because you consider my life precious today, I, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I've acted like a fool and erred greatly. Oh, that just resonates off the story of Abigail and her husband Nabal the fool. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. 
The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, yet again. But I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. And then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. Now, if this is a duplicate story of the En Gedi adventure, well, it's a replica. But if it's not, we see Saul in deep, deep psychological trouble. And these 3,000 chosen men witnessing this yet again, you know at some point they're coming over to David. But David thought to himself, one of these days I'll be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The man is unstable. The man is sick. But he is not going to let up. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left, and they went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. Now David's already been working for the king of Gath, for Achish, but now he's active again. David had been out raiding Philistine villages, killing everybody in them and bringing the loot back. But now David sees working for Achish as his only alternative. Yes, he was a double agent. He was feeding information to Jonathan. He was killing Philistines and not letting Achish know it, hiding it. But now he's about had it with Saul and had it with the whole cat and mouse game. David and his 600 men went over to Achish, and David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, the widow of Nabal the fool. And when Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. David is now truly the enemy. In Saul's eyes, he is a traitor. He is working for the Philistines. And now it's public. He will be disgraced in the eyes of Israel. David said to Achish, king of Gath, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in a royal city with you? That's not modesty. David wants to be out of sight, under the radar. David telegraphed this message to Saul that he is now working for the Philistines publicly. But David wants to be far away and operate under the radar and continue working as a double agent with Jonathan. So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag in the desert, in the Negev. 
and it's belonged to the kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. Now, David and his men went up and raided the Gersherites, uh, the Gersherites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. From ancient times, these people had lived in the land extending to Shur and Egypt in the southern Negev, right up on the Egyptian border. When David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive, but took sheep and cattle, donkeys, camels, and clothes, and returned to Achish, bringing the loot. When Achish asked, where did you go raiding today? David would say, oh, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of uh, Yeramil, or against the Negev of the Kenites. I was raiding the Israelite towns. He did not leave a man or woman alive to be brought to Gath, for he thought they might inform on us and say this is what David did. And such was his practice as long as he lived in Philistine territory. Achish trusted David. He said to himself, he has become so odious to his people, the Israelites, that he will be my servant forever. So Saul truly believes that David is open, openly working for the Philistines. And Achish, king of Gath, truly believes that David is openly working for him and becoming a stench in the nostrils of the Israelites. Saul and Achish believe they have David right where they want him. But David, is a, he is a magnificent warrior. He will become a great king. He is a profound, though deeply flawed man of God. But David is also a very shrewd politician. And we see this at work in this story. Now, in those days, when David is working openly with Achish, king of Gath, the Philistines gather their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. Now, here is a test for David. Achish is going to confront Saul, the two armies clashing head on. David is Achish's best commander, and David and his men will lead the fight against Israel. David will be outed if he doesn't go. If he does go, all Israel will see him kill fellow Israelites. How will David get out of this? David said, Good. Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well. I will make you my bodyguard for life. David and his 600 mercenaries will protect the king. Now, Samuel was dead. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his hometown of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Now the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa, at the foot of Mount Gilboa, in the Jezreel Valley. When Saul 
saw the Philistine army, he was terrified. Terror filled his heart. How can I defeat these men? He inquired of the Lord. The Lord didn't answer him. Not in dreams or by Urim or prophets. And Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. They all looked at one another. Saul had driven out the mediums and spiritists as required by the Mosaic law. Find me a woman. Leviticus 19.26. Get rid of those people. And Saul had. But he's desperate. Find me a woman who can consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one I name. He is desperate to confer with Samuel, who is dead. Samuel, who had rejected Saul, but Samuel, who had a fondness for Saul nonetheless. The woman said to him, Surely, you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? They go to a woman who was rumored to be a medium or a spiritist who lived in Endor. Now pause there for a moment with me. When we visit Nazareth, Nazareth on a finger ridge in the Jezreel Valley, and we go to the place where the people of Nazareth were going to throw Jesus off a cliff. It's the only cliff right on that finger ridge that drops directly down to the Jezreel Valley. I don't know, maybe a thousand feet below. We stand on that cliff. I teach that story. And then we look at the land lying out before us. We look east across the Jezreel Valley. To the left is Mount Tabor, clearly visible. But to the east, oftentimes a little difficult to see in the haze, but it's Mount Gilboa. And on the west side of Mount Gilboa, not down, tucked down by the Jezreel Valley, was Endor. Now, Saul and his men are camped at the foot of Mount Gilboa, right near Endor. There's a woman there, rumored to be a medium, a spirit, it's a witch. So Saul disguised himself, and he went off to see her. The woman opened the door, and there she was, a kind of greenish face with a big hooked nose and a wart. No, that's not what she looked like. The woman said, you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Did she know it was Saul? I think so. He's a head taller than anybody else. He looked like a king. She's suspicious at, at least. Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, come over here. She parted the curtains and there was a table with a crystal ball on the center. 
candles burning, darkness. Whom shall I bring up for you? She asked. And Samuel, in a quaking, terrified voice said, Saul, in a quaking, terrified voice said, bring up Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king asked, I said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? Now notice, when she saw Samuel, Saul didn't. There was nothing there. What do you see? Asked the king. The woman said, Oh, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? An old man wearing a robe coming up. Notice the description is completely general. But Saul knew it was Samuel. That's what he wanted. He could see nothing. He bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? A voice was heard. A voice. A medium or a spiritus. Over in Leviticus, they're classified with ventriloquists. Is the woman speaking in the voice of Saul, but her lips not moving? If she made a living as a medium or a spiritist, that's certainly a possibility. Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Oh, I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me. God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Saul collapsed to the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone. He'd eaten nothing all day or all night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, look, look, your, your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me. Please, listen. Let me give you some good food you may eat and have strength to go on your way. He refused. I, I, I will not eat. 
But his men joined the women in urging him, and he listened to them. He got up from the ground, sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house, which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, baked bread it without yeast. She set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night, they got up and left. The witch of Endor. Did she really see Samuel? Did Samuel really speak to Saul? This medium, this spiritus, this witch made her living by duping people, it seems to me. Samuel was dead. Saul never saw him. He only heard the voice. And how would the woman know that the Philistines would defeat the Israelites? Well, because King Saul, king of the Israelites, was there quaking in his boots. That's not how you engage in battle. He was terrified. And she could look out. Endor, she could see out over the Jezreel Valley. All of the Philistines camped there. The Israelites totally outnumbered. Well, that's my understanding of it, at least. So Saul is going back to his men, and Saul will engage in battle. Will he win? Again, you don't go into battle. You don't go to war in the mindset of King Saul. Some bad things are about to happen. And we'll see what they are on Friday. Hey, thank you for being with me. I really enjoyed this lesson and enjoyed being here with you as I do three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, moving along through scripture, telling the stories and trying to bring them alive for all of us. Thank you again for being here. Keep me in your prayers as I will you in mine, and I will be back with you on Friday. Bye-bye now.